What's up, my loves? Speaking of loves, I have my love back to co-host, or I guess not really co-host, but host with Don't me. I own this fucking show with you? Yes, it's Give Them Lala. With Randall. And we are super hyped for a couple of reasons. First off, we have Heather McDonald on the podcast today. She Give was a friend a of ours. Well, I just want to say who's a friend of ours, but also someone we both look up to. Heather McDonald is one of the greatest comedians out there today. She's unbelievable. She was on Chelsea Handler for seven years, and then she went on to just create her own powerhouse of a world. And she's a best-selling author. She's yep. a podcaster. She's a, a, a live stand-up. One of the funniest people that I've ever come in contact with. Like, when I'm with her, I just want to listen to her talk because every story is hilarious. Okay, wait, I want to set you up here. Set me up. We have a gigantic announcement. It's as big as it gets. I think it's, I think it's like front page headline for us. Lala is going to tell you all that we have something huge to announce. Go ahead. Give Them Lala with Randall is going on motherfucking tour. I mean, real tour. Not a pretend tour. A real life. We will see you in person tour. So I just want to tell everybody, and then Lala will get into the rest, that Tickets are going to go on sale. Please write this down because it's the only thing that matters. Tickets are going on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. So that means everybody, if you want to come to the Give Them Lala dot 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 with Randall tour, you have to buy your tickets Friday or over the weekend starting at 10 a.m. Go ahead and tell them details. We are going to be hitting up Dallas, Austin, Houston, New Orleans, Fort Lauderdale, Clearwater, Orlando, and Georgia. Go to our Instagram pages immediately to check out when we will be in your city or a city near you. This is going to be so lit. Let's like take out the fact that we've been cooped up for over a year. I just think it's going to be entertaining and fun as shit. How about how about we've been in COVID for a year and almost almost a year and a half, and the fact that we get to go live, everybody gets to come out of their house. That's literally come, what I just said. I'm repeating it okay. in, a, in a much more um, <laughs> exciting way. Yeah. Okay. Like get to come out of their house, come to the theater, you know, interact, have a, have just an epic time. And I just want to say that this is something that we've wanted to do for a long time. We cannot wait to meet everybody, you especially, because you have a lot of fans. I'm excited if the, uh, to meet my five or six fans. You are excited to meet your 550 fans, and this is just going to be an epic night. Well, the show is obviously going to consist of a lot of Randall and Lala banter. I think it's like the perfect, I like to call it a girl's night out, but let's be honest. I know all of you out there who have boyfriends or husbands that sit there and they're like, why do you watch this show? And then you turn around and they're like sitting there watching the entire show with you, meaning Vanderpump Rules. So Lord knows this show is going to be for everybody, even though I know that my girls who know how to, you know, fuck shit up are going to be there because it's going to be like, we're obviously going to have some great drinks. We're going to have an incredible format for the show. You're going to have behind-the-scenes stories. Correct. Interactive games. We're going to have segments. We're going to have audience participation. We're going to have all types of things. It's a wild night out you've been dreaming about. And I just want to say tickets again go on sale because Lala doesn't like to promote this part when I get to the details. Tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. You can buy your tickets at GiveThemLive.com. GiveThemLive.com. There's also a very limited number of VIP meet-and-greet packages. 
Yes, and we are not the kind of meet and greet that you like come in and you're like, and it's like yeah, hey, a little hug. How are you? Tell them what we're gonna do. No, I want to like I I want to Drop talk it, to you about it all. Ask me whatever. I want to spill the tea. I want to get to know you. I want to take pictures. I want to post you on my Instagram. I want to throw you a tag. <laughs> Plus. Plus, we will have special guests at each city we go to. And we're going to tell you already. We've already (laughs) asked. I'm dropping dropping it. We have already asked DJ James Kennedy to be our one of our special guest DJs. So we're going to have him with us for a couple of shows, and we're very excited. That I'm the most excited for. Excited? You love cider? I'm just so excited I can't even talk. (laughs) I am because it's like nerve-wracking. No, but having James is like it's James like your is like the boy, and obviously, which means we'll have Raquel. Which means we'll have Raquel, and I'm gonna have to have Raquel's gonna have to be up on stage with us and run through some segments. Anyway, we are doing some really fun things, and I think we don't want to give away the show, but we can say this: Lala has made it a give them Lala experience. So I can promise you all, because I have been there as she's, uh, you know, we're creating this together. But as she is really putting her Lala isms into it. I think that none of you will be disappointed. Um, I think it's a girls' night out. I think that I'm invited just by association. I don't think I'd really be invited. Um, but um, <laughs> but I want to tell you the behind the scenes VIP. I'm sorry, the meet and greet VIP thing that Lala's created, which is going to be really cool because we're going to have like people that are of age and drink. We're going to have shots, cheers backstage, and we're going to do like really fun shit. We're going to make it really, really fun and. Um, I want, I, I mean, we, I wish I could tell you everything, but I can promise you this, very interactive, very audience involved. Well, I wanted to feel like I invited people to like chill with me one-on-one. Like that's what I want. I don't want it to feel like I just, you know, sold tickets and it's like, hey, what's up? It's like, no, you get to kick it with me. You get to kick it with me. I get to kick it with you. We're all going to kick it with each other. That is correct. Correct. You're gonna I'm, get the, you're gonna get the lol, you're gonna get all lol on this show. I'm excited because obviously without you guys listening to the podcast or you know giving a single shit about me, I don't get to go on tour. So this is a huge deal for Randall and myself, and I just can't wait to meet all of you guys. Yes. So that's the big news of this week. Again, Friday, one more time, in case you just jump dropping in to listen, 10 a.m. Give them live.com. Uh, go to Lala's Instagram. You'll see more details there. But tickets are on sale this Friday. We can't wait to see everybody. Um, I am very, very honored. I hope I have five fans in every city. But um, but people love you, Rand. I think you're going to see that starting, mm. you know, on our first in our first city, which is Dallas, Texas, well, House fr- of Blues on November 30th. That's the first. I have friends in every city, so I'm going to make sure five people of my friends get tickets so that when like I come out for my little thing or whatever, yeah. you know, they're like cheering, Ran! and then you think I've gotten really like popular, but really it's like my friends that I paid to come. Oh, damn. Like I'm going to buy their tickets for them because they won't even probably buy them to see me. No, the, well, they'll buy them to see me. So that's true. I don't have to worry there. <laughs> Um, anyway, we're really excited, guys, and that's like a big deal. And we've worked hard on this, and it, it was probably it was going to happen earlier, and then pandemic kicked in and kicked all of our asses. So. But I'll take it whenever I can get it. But by the way, can I tell you something? Yeah, I am so excited to be out at you know at, at this time on tour because to meet people and hang out and just have the most fun we can have. I think it's going to be a great experience for everybody. So this Friday, buy your tickets and and uh, and we'll see you soon. Now. Back to our podcast. Back to back to our <laughs> back podcast. to our podcast. 
So we, like I said, are having Heather McDonald on. And also, even though like she got her start as stand-up comedian, she has the most epic podcast in the entire world. I don't know if you guys follow her. It's a huge podcast. Like it's, it's somebody huge. we look up to. And it really is the juiciest of all scoops. Like every time I look at her promoting her next podcast, I can't wait to listen because she fucking puts in the work. She puts in the work to find the juicy scoop. Correct. So I have a question for you before we get Heather on here. Yeah. How do you like being a Vanderpump Rules cast member? Okay, I'm not a Vanderpump Rules cast member. And I love don't to tease ever you. Refer to me as that. Not that I have any disrespect. I'm just I'm I'm a movie film I'm a film director and film producer. That's absolutely correct. In fact, you just were in Florida for one of the premieres. I was for, I was, I was for the first screening of the, at the Gasparilla Film Festival of Midnight and Switchgrass, um, our movie with Megan Fox, Machine Gun Kelly, Emil Hirsch. So we had our first screening. A bunch of actors flew in. We had our first screening in a real theater. First time I've been in a real theater in a, almost a year and a half. It went great. And now we have the world premiere coming up July 19th in L.A. So it's very exciting. But what's, yes, what's that going to be like for you? Because you've been to a million and one premieres as a producer, as a producer. What's it going to be like? Your for it's like your directorial debut it, for real. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, even in um, Tampa at the premiere, I was very emotional because it was my first um, premiere as a director. And it's a very right. different thing. Um, I, I was petrified. I was nervous. You know, uh, I had all the actors around me, so I felt like pretty safe because it was like my well, friends. Well, all of your actors have been very supportive of the film. And, you know, when I say that, I'm sure everyone's like, well, of course they were supportive of the film. But there that's are not, many no, actors not. who are not behind the films that oh, they're in. They're, I don't want to say a lot, but there no, have been correct. actors it who ha- don't back up the film. It happens all the time. I've produced, I've produced over 150, 118 movies. And there's movies where the movie just doesn't work well and talent doesn't always get behind it. But at the same time, there are movies all over the place. I think, I think when you have a cast that really believes in the film, like the cast I have who really believed in it from the beginning. And then we, we lived through a pandemic together. Mm -hmm. You know, it took us nine months to finish a movie, which is not normal for a small independent film. I think really brought us all together. So I'm very, very proud of the relationships I have with everybody. Um, Tell, tell our listeners how many views the trailer got when it came out. Well, worldwide impressions is what the studio tells me is like they, the, the the test, like how many impressions on all platforms. So trailer, this, that articles, everything. Okay. They called me and they had said it got North of 3 billion impressions, which is like, for a small indie movie is a lot. So it's pretty exciting so to for be those, part of this. For those of you who don't know the film we're talking about, let's tell them again. It's, it's Midnight in the Switchgrass. Um, opens in July. You can go to Midnight in the Switchgrass and see the trailer and, and check it out. I'm really, really proud of it. I, you know, I am nervous. I'm um, because the first, the screening in Florida, that's like my home state. That's that festival is like a home festival. For yeah. Me. That's close to your heart. Yeah. And it was a, it was a local festival that I wanted to kind of put the film first somewhere where I kind of knew. And it was, and it was a festival that was happening at the right time for us if, where the film was ready. Right. And now the premiere will happen in, in, in uh, next month. Here in Los Angeles, which a lot of my peers and colleagues will come and, and you know, and that will be the real judge. And then um, and they will open. So, yeah, no, I'm very proud. It's very different going to a movie premiere as a director 
because it's like your baby. You created something, you worked hard, and then you're releasing it to the world for judgment. And whereas as a producer, it's your baby, but it, the film is always going to be a director's and, a, and a, you know, a director's uh, baby more, more so because they're the ones who will get judged on the quality of the film more so than a producer will. So uh, I understand now, you know, what it's like to go to a premiere as, as a director, which is very different. As a producer, I, you know, you show up and you're excited and you're celebrating. You know, you don't have the nerves that let's say a director has because he put his heart and soul and his creative in, you know, self into it. And, and he's going to be judged for that, you know, as what people think. So it's a little, um, uh, nerve wracking, but, but I am excited. I'm very proud. And I think it's good for you though, Rand, because you have been in film for such a long time and you've always wanted to be in film at first, it was you wanted to be an actor, then you wanted to be well, behind the camera. Well, as a child, I was an actor. I right, didn't but you've be, yeah. always wanted to be in film. No, oh, in, in film, any yeah. capacity. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love movies. So I then, love movies. I don't care what, what, yeah, I loved every part of film. Right. Correct. So then, uh, north of a hundred films later that yeah. you've produced, I feel like you could kind of do it in your sleep. And I, I don't want to say that the creative juice was no longer there but because it was such second nature to you you needed something that could bring you back to the craft of filmmaking and don't you feel like this did that i think that i was at a crossroad in my life where i felt uh the artistic side of me was a little stale you know i think that i became uh you know I'm, i'm i really love producing and it's i'm very i think i'm pretty good at it um but but I think that, you know, it's, I feel like for me, I was getting caught up more on the stresses of producing and, right. and the struggles of producing and forgetting about the rewards, you know, of like how, how great it is just to produce a movie, let right. alone multiple films. So I just felt like I needed to challenge myself and I felt like I needed to reignite that creative bug in me like I had when I first started producing. And, and I think directing uh put a lot of fear in me to try something out of my comfort zone and i think that's why i needed to do it and then when i did it i didn't know how i would feel about it like even though i i I, okay i know i'll get through the film but will i like it will it be horrible will will it suck will i just it's an unknown on all Mm -hmm. levels um you know i've worked with some of the greatest filmmakers in the world that i that i look up to to this day um, I called a lot of them every day and would be like, you know, I'm freaking the fuck out. Am right. I, am I, am I doing something wrong? They're like, if you're not freaking out, then you're, then you're definitely doing something wrong. So I was like, okay, well, that's not that comforting, but okay. So, then, <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, I went through the process and in the end, uh, I, I, I really just rebirthed, you know, my creative fire and I feel so like alive when I'm directing now right. and when I'm creating. So I, I'm excited, but you know, what's great about it? is that directing is is a medium that you're always going to be trying to master. Mm-hmm. And here I am at 50 years old, having done two movies now and getting ready to do my third as a director. And it's like, it's like I'm, I'm going to be learning for a long time. Like, this is not something that I'm just going to be like, oh, I got it in the bag. You know, let, let's go on to the next. This is going to be something that, that it's going to take a lot of work and, and, and focus. And, and I love it. So, I like that part of it, but I still love producing. It's just a very, very different. It's two extremes, you know, producing right. a lot of business, a lot of deals, a lot of, um, a lot of, you know, financial negotiation, things like that. And, and then, you know, you're overseeing the whole process. You're not, you're not doing one thing as a producer, you're overseeing every part of it. And then as a director, you're 
solely responsible for the creative process. And that, and that's a big thing in itself. So, uh, yeah, I'm what excited. What an incredible cast to work with on your first movie directing. Yeah, it was pretty awesome. You know, I was lucky that I had relationships like, you know, Emil Hirsch, who uh, was the first actor in at the table read. I remember I, that. Yeah. I, I was in that table I read. Know, I know you were. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, and you got replaced by Megan Fox. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> no, no, you you did me a you you didn't get replaced. I'm joking. I 100 you know got fucking replaced. You did not get replaced. You're trying to tell a story. That's not in, true. in all honesty. Like but I would replace me with Megan Fox any you, day. Okay, but you didn't get replaced because I said to you, "Will you do me a favor and read this role?" Because yes. I know you're a good actor. And I said, "Would you read this role for me so I could hear the part out loud?" And you agreed. And I and you always said you're to, right. I can't be replaced on something that was never really mine. <laughs> no, but, no, because you and I talked. You and I talked about it. Where we said you knew that I had to cast a certain name level of actor to get the financing, and that name was not Lala. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "She's great, Randy. We really, you know, we really uh, no. we love her work on Vanderpump Rules, but we're thinking we just want to go another direction." <laughs> no, that, okay, all right. No, but that's not the case. But what I am very grateful is because I do know you're a very good actor. You read the role and you crushed it. And it allowed me to hear that role. You and Emile Hirsch and all these Lucas and all these different actors that came. And what I loved is I was able to hear the script in that read through. And it was in that read through that I wrote a note to myself and said, I'm going to direct this movie. Like I wasn't sure at that point. Right. I remember yeah. this was still like up in the air. Am I do we do like it? it? Is it a good script? It, am I ready or am I going to talk myself out of it? And after that read through listening to you and Emil and all the different actors that came out to support me that day, I, I knew 20 minutes into the read through, I said, Oh, I'm def definitely directing this movie. And then I wrote to Emil on a, on the back of the script as he was reading. I wrote to him, Will you play this role? Because I think I want to. He was movie. fantastic, and he, and he. But and, he, I feel like he kills every well, role he plays. He's he's. A, they don't make actors. He's like one of the, him. He's he's one of those actors that people. I mean, come on. He he was in. You know, he's in everything, and he's just one. There's a handful of actors in our industry that just when they show up, they've got that magical ability that's just so deep and so And I high mean, level. you got Emil Hirsch fresh off of um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I know. Fuck. I mean, he was at the Oscars and Brad Pitt's winning Best Actor and... You know, he's working with Quentin Tarantino and he's like, Quentin Tarantino, Randall Emmett. I know, right? <laughs> no, but it, you know, what I like about Emil is we had done Lone Survivor together and we did a couple other movies as a producer. And, and I just said to him, look, you know, I'm going to try this. I don't know. It, you know, I don't know how I'm going to be. And I just, you know, so he's so nice and I don't, I'm, we'll get off the subject in a second, but it was so nice that I listened to the behind the scenes of Midnight and Swishgrass. Like they do the commentary where right. the actors get interviewed and I was shocked because he was just like, Randall's got this energy and he's just really good at directing and he just knows what he wants and he's excited and he's fun to be around and he's just got such a, a vision. And it was like, wow, like, he, you know, I would like to hear that from an actor that I look up to so much and I have such respect for um, was very, very kind. So I'm lucky I had somebody that I that was a friend that I trusted that allowed me to allow him to be great. And, and he's so good and it's so fun to be a director and watch great actors even my next movie that we're cutting now with De Niro and Malkovich and Jack Houston all these great actors like actors you know of this caliber are so epic they're right. just so you know it makes me think back when I was a kid and I was pursuing acting very young before I went to film school in college and um, I think about 
you know, I was never like these people. Like, like it was cool that I was like, okay, I was like, you know, you know, I could do Charlie Brown or whatever. <laughs> but I mean, these these actors, I mean, you know, I think God had a plan for me to be in the film business behind this, the camera and, and watching these actors do what they do. I, I don't even know how they get there. I don't even know how. I mean, you know, you're an actor. You know, you've done it a lot. I mean, you guys do things. You know, actors do things that are magical on sets. They could take a character, internalize it, and 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 then put it out there, you know, in a way that you're just like, what things Emil did, and I'm going to move on. I promise. With things no, Emil, I love hearing about no, this. No, but, but things Emil did, and Lucas Haas did, and Caitlin Carmichael was in the movie. The things they do, you read on the page, and as a director, you make all these notes, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and when and we get to the scene, I want them to, I want to feel this moment here, and I, I'm writing all these different right. things down, and we get on set, and I start kind of shaping it. And then they just bring something to the table that, okay, you set the bar and then it's above. Totally. And you're like, what just fucking happened? Well, they bring the character to life. You simply look at the dialogue and you picture, you may picture, you know, how you think they should act, but then you can't, you can't think about how someone should act. Like, it's totally different when you see a character come to life and it's, you know, someone else's perception of what the character should bring it's well yeah and i think i think for me as a director i really love directing you know great actors and and i pride myself on that and coming from an acting background and and i feel like i have a connection like with emil and lucas and caitlin and megan and and all these actors even mgk when i was there i felt like there are moments that the, it's just flawless totally. and then there's moments like i want to see a little more of something and well, that's I, why you're there no no and i love and i love that They'll just they'll trust me to when I say, hey, try it this way. Try totally. something. And sometimes it's wrong. It just doesn't work. And sometimes it's magical. And when you have this magical moment between, you know, in the scene and you're right. sitting there, you're just like, wow. And for me, that's the high. The high is watching these incredible performances come yeah. to life and shaping them and, and all that. So I get exactly what you mean, because there was and this was years ago. It was like when the Sex in the City movie had just come out and they came out with a book which was um the script they put it in book form okay and i had just flipped to the page have you seen sex in the city rand i saw a tv show okay well there's i mean like back in the day okay well there's the scene when big doesn't show up to the wedding okay and it's like just any woman that watched that was just it was devastating okay the line from charlotte as big approaches as charlotte is hugging carrie that after big decided to like not come to the wedding and she charlotte points at big and is like no and the scripture says no says no no and i'm thinking oh my god it was it it was so much deeper than that oh my god like when charlotte screams no at big yeah like you literally your heart just is on the floor and and all the script says is no no no, with an exclamation and that i think is is an incredible collaborative moment between an and a director where that magic mm-hmm. happens. And I think for me, that's, you know, you could look at even my script from Midnight or you could look at, you know, the De Niro movie I, I just finished. There's moments in the cut that you'll look and it was so much deeper and more beautiful and and, and bigger. But the writer sets the platform for mm-hmm. us and then it's the draw, the job is of the director and the actor to take it to that next place. And, and uh, it's really a fun process. So for me, I'm like, it's just like a blank canvas and, you know, you kind of have a setup and then you have to kind of create from there and it could go so many different ways. So, right. yeah. so that, that's, that's why I love 
the directing process so much creatively. I love producing. It's a very different medium. You want to know what's great about life? We can do it all. I agree. We can do it all, Rand. <laughs> okay. Okay. I agree. Sky's the limit. Where does it end? It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. <laughs> I, I, you know what? The, and that, the moral of the story is I'm 50 years old. I was 48 when I started Midnight, 49 when I did uh, The Wash Me, the other movie. And I'll tell you something. You're never too old to go after your dreams. That is really, really my mantra. Um, I'm serious. People, if I can pivot in my career mm-hmm. and go after something and try something, which even for me um, was, 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 I was petrified. I mean, I'll be honest and question everything about what I do in this business. If I can change and try something, um, that means that it's never too late. That's my point is that it doesn't matter if you're 60 or 50 or 70 or 35 or, right. or you, or you went to college for, you know, I don't know. Architecture. Correct. And then you, decide, you decided you want to be a pianist. Right. <laughs> but, my, but my point is like, it's okay. And it's okay to wake up and say, you know what? Maybe I'm not that fulfilled going down this road right now. And I want to try a different road and maybe it'll take me back to the original road or maybe this will be my new road. But whatever it is, I just want people to always know that it's n- your dreams are your dreams and mm-hmm. you live one life on this earth that we know about. And on this earth, you want to make sure you leave it all out there. And so that's why I, I took the chance on the gamble because, you know, I want my kids to look up to me and say, my dad, you know, never, ever, ever was afraid to try something new, even whether it works or not. So, yeah, I love it. Well, all on right. that note, I think we should take a short break. That was and we'll, a lot about the movie. Let's, <laughs> I lot. loved it. Holy shit. I feel like I'm on a film channel. You're welcome. Is this Give Them Lala with Randall, or is this Give Them Lala, the cinematic experience? This is Give Them Lala with Randall. You're welcome. We'll be right back. (laughs) We're all so busy, and I know how hard it can be to find some time to work out. It's so easy for me to get completely derailed when it comes to my fitness plan. And if you struggle with the same thing and really want to get your fitness back on track, then Peloton is a great solution. Peloton has thousands of classes to get you moving no matter what level you're at. They've got beginner and advanced rides, feel-good live DJ rides, artist theme rides. There is literally something for everyone. And if staying motivated is your biggest challenge, Peloton's got your back there too. They'll show you the basics, help you take the guesswork out of your workout, and then encourage you to build from there. You can also watch your favorite TV shows and live sporting events while you ride, so you never miss a thing. Wherever you're starting, get moving with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. That's onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. If you like saving money, and let's face it, who doesn't, then you have to get Rakuten. We love Rakuten in my house and the Rakuten app. I mean, seriously, Rakuten shoppers get it all when it comes to shopping. The hottest brands, the best deals, and the most savings, which to me is the best part. With Rakuten, you get cash back at stores you love, which is probably why I bought so many things for myself when I was trying to do birthday shopping for Ocean. Because it's hard not to throw a couple things in the car for myself at Bloomingdale's. And then with all the money that I saved, I went straight to Fenty Beauty. But you can get cash back at stores like Dyson and Petco. You'll also never miss out on promo codes and coupons because Rakuten gives you all the best ones. You can even stack cash back on top of sales, credit card points, and other loyalty programs. 
and it couldn't be easier. Just join Rakuten for free, then use the website or the app to shop your favorite stores and watch your cash back add up. So before you buy another thing, join Rakuten because Rakuten shoppers always get the most bang for their buck. Get started at Rakuten.com or get the Rakuten app. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. We are back with Heather McDonald. Yes, Heather McDonald. Thank you. Anyway, I always, in the beautiful home, I got to meet Ocean. Yes. And see your backyard. Did it make you nervous when she started crying? No. No? I'm a mother. She cries oh. a lot. Well, That's, you know, every kid is different. Did your kids cry a lot? Did your kids cry a lot? Be honest. My older son would cry every night from about like oh God. six to eight. Oh, just two hours. And I would like go like this and watch TV and just mm. shake them like that. But then, you that know, they're so easy. You know what? Can I just say this? What I've discovered, because I have two boys that are teenagers. I went on a girl's trip for my birthday. And the boy moms, we have it so easy. Mm. No one hears from they, We only get like a text like, is there food? <laughs> Can I go to Chick-fil-A? <laughs> and we, I literally have to be like, are you okay? Yes. The girls, the moms who have teenage girls, one of my friends, her daughter has ruined Four of our girl trips. Not no. ruined, but disrupted. No. Wait, disrupted. Define, define disruptive. Define okay, this. so the first time it was a, a boyfriend breakup. Oh. Another time I was there and it was like a fight with her dad. They're divorced. Another time it was um, <laughs> she got, we were at, we, we all got together to, for one of my friends, her husband died. So we were like at a, like for a weekend, like Get celebrating away. his life. And she is on the phone the whole time because the girls got in trouble for drinking on a boat or something. <laughs> then another time, we're all in D.C. and she checks her nest and she sees that the girl has all these boys coming through. Okay, okay. I'm about to go take a Xanax so, so right then now. I, what the fuck? So then I said, I go, so when I said on that one, I go, do you realize that blank has ruined our four of my girl trips and she lives far away she lives on the east coast so it's like for me to go see her or for her to see me it's a big effort and she's like oh my god that's right and so then she said to her when she was coming out to palm desert for my birthday she goes i've talked to her and it's not a problem like she said she's gonna be nothing's gonna happen i go hope to god not so she was not the disruptor my other friend's oh god. daughter got in a fight with the dad oh my and the god dad's like, you're too lenient and she puts her on speakerphone and she's like mom mom you have to come home i'm having a panic attack I'm like, that's the fakest panic attack i ever heard and then she's like and then the son was a witness and he's like mom that's being fine. She's just being a freak. <laughs> and then she's just like, and I go, oh my God, do not, please tell me you're not going to leave. She's like, no, I'm not fucking leaving. So then that, at the end, so then we go to this woman's house that I met, that I was like, hey, do you happen to be in your $20 million mansion today? And she's like, yes. Yeah. So I'm like, who wants to stay for Sunday? Normally, always Sunday, Palm Springs. No, you got to go. Everyone starts to drive you around gotta, one. You, oh my God, it's the best to stay till like seven. It is the best. I will never leave again. Really? Because the traffic was better at like seven. And and then we went to her place. We were in the pool. And then she's like, stay here, stay here. And I'm like, I'm, I have all this. I pressed to do because I was on The Bachelorette. I have stuff to do tomorrow. And my friend didn't hear that. And she goes, why don't we just stay here? And I go, what are you? 
you're a lawyer. Like, what are you doing? She's like, I just never want to. I just don't want to go home to my daughter. No. <laughs> She's like, I don't want to go home to that family of mine. I'm like, no. I'm like, well, the party has to end. And then I was like, oh my, this would be a funny movie. Like a bunch of women my age that just go fuck it. They just like leave their life. Oh They go on like my. the road. They're just like nobody, a road trip. They just are for never, life. No one's going home. Like just no one's going home. The Not teenagers a road are trip. It. Uh, it's a road. Oh, it's like life they're, they're quitting. It's quitting their family. They're quitting their family. They're just like, I don't want to go home. Did you stay Sunday night and leave Monday? No, we left at like seven or so. Seven or so that I dropped off my friend who had to fly home and then I was home like at 10. How bad was the hangover Monday? It wasn't so bad because I didn't really drink on Sunday. How bad? We were really good. We did that buy talks. Oh, what? yeah. I tell what? everybody about it. I wish they were a sponsor. What it's is a like, buy talks? Remember I gave you one of it, it. It was like we didn't. It's so clear. We thought it was a throwaway. Yes. And you put it on your butt. It's just a sticker. And it's like, I it's like, it's, it's like, on a, your butt? Uh, like, it's a D12. It's, it's so you, um, you put it on a sticker on your butt. And you don't get hungover. Before you have your first drink. So like around six. Okay. It's hard if you're drinking like 24 hours. It's hard because you don't know when you peel it off when you start afresh. But if it's a normal night where it's like you're doing your hair and it's about six o'clock, six or seven, you put it on then. And what I really like is I like to have, you know, different kinds of alcohol throughout the night. Oh, and God. And this keeps me from not getting hung. By the way, I, I relate to that. I like you to know, go like from you tequila. Like a cocktail. Well, yes, you have cocktail. Shots you- of Jägermeister. I, I, I don't like Jägermeister. Don't but, have but- you had one? Yes, it was so good. No, it was it my really freshman year at US, USC. <laughs> I don't like licorice. It was the worst experience of my life. What about Goldschlager? Yeah, other things. I'm just not a shot person. I like the shots because I like to get right to Wait, it. Wait, so then what do you do? No, she likes a so I, I like like a cocktail. I like a, a like a spicy margarita. I like a, like a you know cucumber martini kind of a thing. Oh. Then I like to like have a really nice dinner, and then I'm like, oh my god, I'm having fish. I'd like a, you know a chardonnay, or I'm having a steak. I'd like a really good cab. Now the night's continuing. Now what happens? Now I want like an espresso martini. Oh, so now I'm it. mixing all this, or I want champagne. Oh, but with my. that, I'm okay the next day. I'm a little weird, but I'm okay. <laughs> you know how you're just like a little shaky, or I wake up really early, and then like by three, I'm just I'm like my hungover, just really tired because I only slept like five hours. Wow. Oh, I always hated that when wake I was up like so early. Ex- wake up early, exhausted, and I'm like, is this a hangover or is it just because I? You was- wake up, you have energy, then you're exhausted at like three. That's oh, yeah. what it is. When okay, I, I, yeah, I, I want to just tell you, wake up ready to party again, yeah. babe. You missed the night a few years ago. Yeah, I was at Coachella. This must have been a really fun night because it, you both talked no, about no, it. It was, it was fun. It was legendary. It, so, so we were at Coachella. You, I flew you back. Right. Because uh, you were going to New York for something. Watch What Happens Live. Yes, Watch yeah. What Happens Live. And Heather and I were left behind yeah. for Neon Carnival. And I really didn't know you very well. So no, I was like, not at all. So I was like, so, law, so I actually, you did my podcast, but I did it at your office. Yeah. And then you were like, you what are you come. doing this weekend? I'm like, I'm actually going to Palm Desert. <laughs> and you're like, do you want to go to this party Saturday night? I'm like, are you serious? Yeah, like, she are goes, you are you Hollywood? Like, like, is it a Hollywood Are you going to Hollywood me? You kept asking. Yes. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, I, I really have the number. Like, let's text. Let's see. So I have my sister to go with me, you know. Yeah. Um, I, no, I don't think my husband was there at all. But no, I, no, no, no. He wasn't going to be included anyway. So then that's the other thing that I've noticed, like, as I've gotten older. Like, in my 40s, early 40s and 30s, it was all about the couples. Couple dinner. What are we doing? Where are the couples going? What's that? 
now every time I'm like, should we do husbands or no? No. <laughs> no. And it's like, and then that's good because there's usually a couple single people, and they're like, okay, good. I'm glad you. Got, then we're like, then it's not weird for so and so. Whatever. Right. So it's the best. So. Um, no, we're down there. You call. You so text her, me. She flakes or not? No, flakes. she had to go to New York. Right, but still, I'm but, like. And, and you is said, is this still happening? Yeah. You asked her, and I said, no, I said, I, go. This is where and you're I meeting. I said to you, of course you're invited. I told you about it. Yeah. And I said, come to La Quinta to the to the restaurant. To the dinner. To yeah. the dinner. And yeah. we'll go from there. And that's what I love so much when there's a plan and itinerary. <laughs> I, but I'm also, I have, I have post-traumatic stress disorder from miss, like missing a party. Because back in the day, in our day of when yep. we were, there'd be a party and they'd be like, follow us to the party. And then if you miss them, you, there was no way to call. You, um, there was no way to find them. Who are you going to call? Beeper? You, you got to beep them. Remember the, the beeper? The last time that happened, we were in Napa. We went to my to Napa with my friends who have a plane. <laughs> and we go to like Frank Valley Winery or okay. something. It's yep. a really nice winery. And I go, I want to go tonight to, because we were just going to like like these private wineries because they picked by so much wine. So we were just like, go to these places, but they weren't like serving us food, you know? So we were like dying. Like right. you got to bring a, a picnic basket. So at that point, we go to this thing and the guy goes, I've got, I have this fabulous party. It's a mansion and they're having a party tonight. And that's exactly what I want. I want to like drink wine in a mansion and look out at the vineyards. So he's like, so we go, what's the address? And he's like, meet me at this place and then you'll follow me up the hill. And my friend Danny goes, what, what's your cell phone number? He's like, no, just meet me there. So we're in this like old-fashioned limo like fucking like it's prom like valley girl prom i don't know why in this limo so it's hard to also see like where what's going on right right so we're like at this gas station waiting for the guy and then like danny gets out and it says something to the guy and then the guy goes and then we get in because the limo guy is so far oh, like what what's he trying it's like follow that guy we totally did not find them could never find the guy didn't have a cell phone i, I was so heartbroken i'm oh. like but I have to act like cool about it because it's like they've they've treated us this whole weekend. <laughs> but I was like, uh, I was planning this like mansion party, like, and now we're just at like some rest, some average. Oh, right now everyone's trying to do open table or call. Now we're just at an average restaurant. I'm like, depressed. Like, all right. You know? <laughs> so what I what I love. So then we have our our dinner. Right. Heather shows up. You show up, and I have a dinner of like 20 people. Yes. And we're just. Banging shots, and of course, I see Britney Spears' ex, Jason Trawick. Where I'm like, I've been wanting to get this scoop <laughs> fucking <laughs> forever. Yeah, I just kept on like moving on. Over. Oh no, you moved like five chairs <laughs> yeah, in yeah. until you had him in your sights, and then you and then you drilled him. You drilled Jason Trawick. I swear to God, there was a moment after because we go to the other party. But first, let me just say <laughs> before we leave that party. So my sister's with me. She's and great. My by sister's the way. great. Great. And um. And then they're like, okay, we're going to the to the next place with all these cars. Okay. <laughs> and you know how like <laughs> you know how like at um there's like that that little hill that kids play around at, at the La Quinta. Quinta. In the yeah. lobby, the lobby yeah. from yeah. Adobe. And so I see like we come out of the bathroom, we're like, fuck, they're already are like gone. <laughs> oh, and no. I'm like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> And like she's got the, she's got like the same little skinny cult like legs as me, and she's got like wedges, and she's like, oh my god, it's gonna fall down that green hill. And I'm like, get in the car, like I will leave you here. So we get in the cars, and we have like the police yeah, escort, three police cars, and I'm escort. Like, 
how are we just getting like police people today? <laughs> like, this is weird. <laughs> and then, and then when we get there to the to the event to the event, they won't let your guy carry his gun. Security. Yes. Right. He he was carrying yes a pistol, and they would not let him. He, he was a, 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 a police officer. Yes. And they just said no no firearms. So he had to leave that. He had what? To leave Where that. do you leave? Yeah. Your no, he had to give it to he had to give it to another officer who took it, and then we went in. Okay. And then we then, then we went, went on the in. then we went on the Ferris wheel together, the cop and I. <laughs> And then I was asking him everything about his life and like how private security works when you're also a cop and like, what's the deal? And, you know, he, I remember everything about him. He had, a, he had a girlfriend who had a child. He didn't know if he wanted children of his own. I mean, I just got the whole thing. So then, then, when, then we're, now we're at the VIP section where the, where the, part, where, where where the, the DJ cl- party is. And the dance yeah. floor. And then we're there. And that's when I tried to get the scoop of what, what was Jason and Britney's relationship really like. And were you successful oh, in getting it? Heather. I got some. And at one point, it, it, sometimes I was just about to get something. Like I was with, just with Sonia at Josh Flags. Oh my, I'm so jealous. And, I was, and she's like, you know, I introduced Ramona to Doug and Ellis. And now she thinks she's a big realtor. And, and I go, and then she goes, and you know that other stuff. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm like, yeah, they always take your guys and your contacts. Like, <laughs> Tell me about it. And then all of a sudden, she's just like, what? I can't talk to you. And she just left. Is that- <laughs> yeah, she just like all of a sudden like realized that you're Heather McDonald. Yes, but I, I don't, I won't tell it unless I say they could tell her. I'll just go, well, I might have heard. But I was well, just I like, what happened? Basically, he told me that. Yeah, that he like was working with her, and then they became a couple, and then William Morris made him stop being William Morris agent. Yeah, and then he like managed her, and then they were in Vegas, and then I was like, and then what happened? What did he say? And that's when he realized he was talking to Heather McDonald. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "There's so much to it. There's so." He's like, "There's it's unbelievable. There's so much to it." You know, and I kept I, going, what is it? And then, then I Googled till four in the morning everything about it, all the Us Weekly articles that were like, he, he, she wanted to have another, she wanted to have another baby. He didn't want kids, which is true. He never had kids. He's so good looking. I think beyond. he's good looking. He is still in Vegas. Does he have a girlfriend or anything? No, he refuses. He no, always, that's not true. He, he dates. No, but he always prereqs. No, he has, with, I think he has a girlfriend or he dates now. I don't know. He'll, what he always follows it up with, if you find a dude that you want to date and there's that option of marriage at the end of the road here, then you should go do that because... I know. What, who would ever do that? Why would you even say that? I, he really doesn't want to ever get married, which is a travesty because I want him to procreate. He's such a good-looking dude. But I think um, that's, a, that's just an awful idea to say that off the bat. I love that people, when they sit down, they feel like they can tell you everything, and then they realize, oh, shit. It's Heather fucking McDonald, by the way. Oh, my God. I had this girl come up to my show in Miami. Yeah? And she came up, and she goes... I met you um, after a show I hung out with you in Naples. I go, oh, my God, is your sister still sleeping with your stepfather? (laughs) And she goes, how do you remember that? I go, how do you think I fucking forever forget? I go, out of everybody that came up to me and has told me a juicy story, that story has, like, stuck with me. It was crazy. Do you remember most of the people that, like, do you have one of those memories where if someone rolls up on you, they're like, I was at a meet and greet when you were in Tampa? If they tell me something specific, like, and I told you that 
you you know, I'm a military wife or something like then I can remember if it was something specific or even if they go, I wrote you an email about a murder in my town about this. And then I will remember that, like that story. But just someone saying, hi, I met you two years ago and we took a photo. No, not necessarily. Sometimes people look familiar, though. Like I'm like, oh, yeah, wait, yes, you've. Or like all, you know, just like how you recognize certain people that um, always comment or yes. are, are your biggest fan. Totally. And then they'll, you know, then, you know, they might come and go, I, I'm Dolly Do or whatever. You're like, oh, my God. You know. Right. No, I totally what know. What an awful Instagram handle. Dolly Do. <laughs> Is that real? No. Is that real? Just made it up. They still stayed married, though. The stepfather and her mother. They, they, stayed. they stayed married, even though the sister had been sleeping with the stepfather for a couple years for money. That's like and a, they were rich. That seems like a something I would watch on Pornhub, like that storyline. I, I, that's probably what I thought about. It It was weirdly hot. She told me how it happened in the kitchen, how it first started. Total Pornhub. I know. Hour and 20 minutes that you watched the whole thing. And, and so and she's just like, I cannot believe it. And then her friend was with her, like this gay guy was her friend, and he's like, and it was literally four years ago that she told me the story. Oh, she I go, was So the wedding still happened. I go, it was your wedding that was around the corner, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you're still married? And she was just like blown away. So yes. But then, but then there's other times where people will say, um, oh, I did have this other person come up to me. What did she say? She said I was not a delight when she met me in Vegas 10 years ago. <laughs> and, and she goes, you were just, she goes, I, I was with Peter. She goes, we, were, we met your husband there. We were talking to your husband. And then you came up. And, and I go, oh, yeah. That's, I go, that was when I did that performance. And, um, you know, Chris Noth was there. She's like, yeah, that's all you cared about was going out to dinner with Chris Noth ever after. And I'm like, who wouldn't? <laughs> I don't know who that is. He is big in Sex of the City. Wait, which one? Her main boyfriend, Big. Oh, Big. Big. Oh, yes. He was at the event. <laughs> I thought you meant and he, he was like I a was big really character. funny because I kept doing Samantha Jones impressions on stage. And it was like this, like, I think they might have paid these celebrities to be here. And then they paid me to perform and it was for jewelry. Okay. And so they're all, we're all going to dinner after. And another, like, thing, just like I was scared. I'm like, if we miss the fucking traveling <laughs> to the restaurant, I'm never going to know which restaurant it is. So I'm like... So Peter's talking to this couple and he's like, hey, you know, being nice. Being and I'm like, Peter. Here. Like, we got to go. <laughs> and so that's what they witnessed. But at that time I was on Chelsea Lately, so I wasn't like as connected and, and like, you know, to my podcast listeners. I was just someone on Chelsea Lately. You were the best on Chelsea Lately. I know, but Lately. I'm saying like, I didn't have like the, um, the fan connection that I have now with, with like being, you know, with podcasting and people being able to write you and everything and now look at you you're on you're on fucking give them lala with randall like you've made it <laughs> i know all right with that we need to take a quick break yes all right we'll be back in a second when it comes to travel we all have that happy place we're always daydreaming about whether it's a snow-capped mountain white sand beaches or even a hometown visit we all have that happy place i know for myself easton my mom and i think jessica too that place just became hawaii we had such an amazing time there last fall that I think it's going to become a yearly trip. The beautiful beaches, the amazing food, and the fact that we completely chill. I'm not sure it gets any better than that. Whatever your happy place is, Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price. So you never have to miss a trip. So we rented our car in Hawaii through Priceline, and if I told you how much money we saved, you would not believe me. 
And did you know that when you bundle and save with Priceline, you can save up to $625 when you book your flights and hotels together. Just use Priceline and simply book your entire trip in one place. They truly have deals you can't find anywhere else. So download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy price with Priceline. So my Dash Pass saved the day yet again. I was out of Ocean's favorite snacks, so I opened up DoorDash, ordered them from the grocery store, and had them delivered. Have you heard about Dash Pass? No? Well then, let me educate you because DoorDash and the Dash Pass are not just about food delivery. It's so much more than that. Dash Pass members get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. And that's on everything from groceries to drinks to personal care items. Dash Pass basically pays for itself in like two orders. Plus, Dash Pass gives you special access to experiences and promotions and even exclusive menu items. And you get all of that for just $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. Use code LALA24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for Dash Pass. Subject to change. Terms apply. So open the door to $0 delivery fees and more. Sign up for Dash Pass today only on DoorDash. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for the Dash Pass with code LALA24. Subject to change, terms apply. We're back with my most favorite human. Can I tell you? I could just listen to you talk all day. It's so funny. You have you tell the best stories. Thank you. You're well, when I was walking around in Miami is when I listened to your podcast. Because I wanted to, but also because someone said that you guys were nice about me. So then I'm usually like, mm, that's the one I would like to listen to. Oh, Randall and I love you. I know. Oh, yeah. But when someone says, oh, someone talked shitty about you or someone said something nice about you, I try to just only listen to something somebody said nice about you. Yeah, well, why would you listen to the other thing? That's not productive. I know, exactly. but it's no. hard not to. Well, it was actually, I was with Logan and Leo, uh, yes, my guys. so fun. Yeah. They hosted last week's podcast with me yeah. and we were talking about the hustler and the housewife. Yes. You guys St- still finding out so much information. I'll never stop. And then people said, do you think that'll hurt you like with Bravo or, you know, doing stuff with Bravo? And I'm like, come on. I don't. I, like, what, what am I going to. I'm not on. I mean, I, I was on Watch What Happens once. Bravo's not paying your bills. No, it's no. And I'm like, and, you know, and but Andy absolutely did not watch it. He was like, oh, once I saw that Danielle and. Uh, Dana Wilkie were on it I just you know and I'm like well if you watched it you realize that was the first 12 minutes of it to suck people in and the rest totally. was really about the crimes that he committed and it was like really interesting and uh, you know which is it got like huge ratings because I just had Kimberly Archie will be on my show Tuesday so well, this comes out Wednesday so it's up now and I had interviewed her like eight months ago when the divorce was announced wow and she used to work for um, Tom Girardi kind of like an Aaron right. Brockovich like she'd work in like getting the research together well I th- well how did that I because re- I watched this yeah that came to be because Tom was on her best friend's son's case correct um 
I think that she might have been working for him before, before this happened. And then she and so recommended then she helped facilitate him. like the You're meeting right. and get her friend to to for him to represent right. the, the son and their family. And um, yeah, and then she was basically saying like they just didn't they didn't think that the like the money was gonna run out. Like Of course not. But you know, I was talking to people that have worked with Erica Jane, like when she started to become Erica Jane. Right. And um they all loved her. She paid so well. She was very, very generous when it's not your own money. Of and course. When the, and, and according to her, you know, she could spend whatever she wanted. You know, thanks, baby. And he would just give her money. And, you know, but like. I, I loved her line oh. before this whole thing happened. Yeah. But I remember she made her first appearance on BH. And she was like, what can I say? Being poor sucks and being rich is a lot better. And I was yeah. like, this bitch is the goat. Yes. I what does GOAT stand for again? Yeah, greatest of all time. Is that oh. what it stands for? Yeah. I didn't even know that. Yeah, greatest People of all time. People just say the GOAT. I thought it was like a GOAT. Like goats are cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so outdated. Like a I'm so like, goat. You're, yeah. you're, I'm really old. Heather. You're 50 is showing. Yeah. That's okay. Who cares? But yeah. here, here's the... No, I know. It's, it's also Heather, stupid. thank you for that. I'm trying to be like the cool kids and they oh, like, say Can goats. I ask a few questions that I think yes. are, are fans... Hold on. Like, hold on. I want to ask one question. Yeah. This is the billion dollar question. Okay. Do you think Erica Jane knew? I do. I do now. I used really? to not. I used to think, you know, there's a very good chance that they had an, an arrangement that she could spend whatever she wanted and he could cheat on her and do whatever he wanted. He wow. had girlfriends. We know that now. Yeah. We know that. that and we knew out. that. And I knew that five years ago. Like, you know, um, that that's why she didn't have to go to travel with him anymore. Remember, she's like, for 10 years, I went everywhere with Mr. Girardi went to Germany, and then now she's with the Glam Squad. Bring the entire Glam Squad. I mean, the amount of money I can't that was even spent. imagine. So I think, but he's been doing stuff like this shady since the Aaron Brockovich days. I well, because they this wasn't just. I think most yeah. people know about the plane crash victims that yeah. were basically robbed of all of their money. Yeah, it. I mean, whether it was one hundred and fifty thousand dollars that was right. being won by a victim, yeah. or millions he was snatching it well also uh, the other part is a lot of people don't know is that a lot of these cases were settled without court so like let's say lala you were oh, you private, know you fell and i'm like lala i am gonna do my best i'm gonna try to get you five million and then i actually get you 12 and then i come back and i go guess what lala i got you six and you're like great you right. go off your way but i took an extra six plus the 40 percent off the six. Oh my god and i'm not saying you know that they're uh, i don't know those cases are harder to figure out but when you realize how many cases were done just like over the phone and it's all between friends and judges and how intent like oh. how do you know and then you're happy with the check you got because you're just like this you know, a little bumpkin that had this horrible thing happen to right. her. So, like, what do you wow. know? Yeah. No, that documentary. And I think was... once he started to do that, and then we found she, in all her research that she came on today, she found two checks on the same day, one for nine million, and another for nine million. Now we don't know the case, but one was for to Girardi and Cleese, which is the law firm, right? And then one just to Tom. <gasps> what? I know. So no. if there was a winning of 18 million for a client, it's supposed to go in these trust accounts and right. all this. 
how did he get this company to like whatever write him oh you don't do it this way okay it's tom girardi well i think that's why people did it was because he was tom girardi yeah. he was on the cover of every magazine he was yeah. he was la law like people he had these judges in the back of his pocket yeah it was dude the the documentary How you, is but twisted. it's funny what you said because you're like look i'm watching like everybody else yeah and if i see her and that was okay so i knew um this fan who came to see me too um she was out here she knew somebody that was putting together the kathy hilton viewing party okay so and she's like, I'm going to see if I can get you invited. I'm like, please get me invited. Like, then she was like, oh, my God, my friend's so stressed. They're at full capacity. They're just, I can't ask. I don't even know this girl that well. I go, that's fine. Just give me the scoop. She said, she, all these people, all these PR people are calling and saying, we want to make sure that if our client goes, they're not in a compromised position to take a photo with Erica. What? What? But then Erica didn't come. Well, I don't blame her. But you know how Hollywood is. The minute you step in some shit... It, and and if anything has taught us anything, don't help your friend out of that shit. It's not quicksand. Leave them alone. You're so good. All right, I'd like to pivot for a second. Yes. Uh, while you guys spill tea, so just real quick, because I just like to hear the backstory. Yes. Let's start. When you started, because you told me once before, because I asked you many yes. questions, because I'm obsessed. How did you become the comedian and star that you became? I, I like the early comedy days to Chelsea Handler, et cetera. Just a quick snapshot, because I'm very excited snapshot. about about how you came up, because it is a great story. A quick snapshot is: I was born and raised here, but my parents were not in the entertainment p- business. But we always knew kids that were doing it. I had an agent as a kid, but I wasn't that good at it. So when I was about to graduate from high school, I could imitate like everybody in the school. And my music teacher was like, why are you going to USC? You should just be a stand-up. Wow. And I was like, how would strangers find me funny? So I go to SC and I have my fun. But I would like, every time I saw someone with a pager, I'd get really jealous because that meant they had an agent. Not that they were drug dealers. And I was like, I, I really want to be doing this. I know I'm not doing what I was supposed to be doing. So I get this horrible job out of school just so I could live on my own and be in Brentwood. And what I'm is like, that job? Assistant buyer at Robinson's May. This is amazing. Oh, wow. And it was so horrible and I was so bad at it. And... But in the middle of it, my friend throws down a learning annex magazine, how to be a stand-up comic. And she goes, you better fucking do this. Oh my so God. I take my red Toyota silicone and go to a Radisson <laughs> in Santa Monica. And I, I learn like, you just have to set up the bit so that a stranger knows what you're talking about. Right. And it was like clicked. And then the woman was like, take this class and you could have this little show at the end. So I'm like, oh my God, everybody always been telling me I should do this. So I'm like, I know I'll like get plenty of people to come. So as I'm studying for the, now I've done it once, but I'm still at the horrible job and I'm starting to like do it more and like start to like look for acting classes and stuff. And then the person at the place fires me and is like, you know, uh, the HR person goes, hey, how you doing? Um, you want to meet like maybe five on Friday? I'm like, well, that doesn't sound good. And then I remember I saw her go down the elevator and I was like, hi. And she was like, like when you have that no eye contact, you just know. Like the only other time it happened was when I knew I didn't make cheerleading. I didn't make varsity cheerleading because the the head lady's daughter wouldn't look talk to me at a party. No. Oh, that's and how you I knew? knew. I knew. She's like, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so then, um, so then I got fired, and I just started doing stand up, and I just started doing Groundlings, and. And then I did real estate with my parents to pay for everything. And they would like go over lines with me and they always were so supportive of what I could do. And then my friends got jobs like at the Groundlings. So I'd sell them houses. So I could like, I was like the realtor of the Groundlings. Yeah. 
And so they, but you know, it's always good. So like, instead of being jealous of your friend getting a sitcom, I was like, would you like to buy a house? <laughs> so it was nice. <laughs> okay, then what happens? Then, um, so still and, making and no money in comedy yet? No money in okay. comedy. Like I had to hi- ask big people to come to the show. I had paid for eight people to come to the show from an agency. I want. I don't know if it's paradigm, but something like that. And. <laughs> And right before I went on, this cute guy that I was friends with, he went on and just like won them, like ever, you know, he did well. And then I go on and they're like, come here. And the whole time during my set, they're like signing him. No. And I had to pay $64 for them to come, eight people. So those are the kind of things where I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, I'm so happy people can put their content, make their own money, and not be so dependent. I mean, you had to have an agent. You had to be in SAG. And I wasn't in SAG. You needed to be in SAG to get an agent. You need an agent to be in SAG. Right. So I went to this acting class, and I go, I know there must be a way to get a SAG card. (laughs) Yeah. It's got to be someone I can pay. He goes, there is. It's a guy named Wayne. And then Wayne, I'd pay Wayne $300. I had no idea. I just mailed $300 to this guy, Wayne. And then he (laughs) sent me three things that made me look like I had like a line on a beer commercial. Like vouchers. Vouchers. Oh, my God. And then I paid the $1,150 to join. Oh, my God. Yes. Wow. I don't even know how many years it would have been. I probably would have, I would have been able to join once I got on Keenan. So then Keenan and I really had a late night talk show. And how did you get to that? Because I know you did. You wrote on that. My right? my manager goes, "Would you consider writing on a show at this point?" And I'm like, "Well, I, you know, I thought I would be like a sitcom star, but maybe let me see. I've seen I've seen it. Let me watch it more." And it was Memorial Day weekend. I had to write a whole like Treat. package okay. of jokes and sketches and everything. And, there, and his point of view and I remember I missed all these really good parties but I was like I gotta do it and so I sent it in and I got it and you know and it that was, was your first real that job that was my first job and I got it because he, he said I want I've got you know six white guys six black guys one black woman I, I would like to get one white woman's like point of view in here wow so that was like just a great experience then how long did you do that I for? got fired from that though because wait how long did you do it for before you got fired Mo, like from like couple seasons? from Memorial or Labor no from Labor Day no it didn't last long. from Labor Day to like March or May oh that's something that's, like that oh, not that long okay. and then it got canceled in the summer okay so why did you get fired because they were supposed to tell you after thirteen weeks that they were going to pick you up okay and he was very big on on letting people go and firing people but I thought well even if I get fired I get paid for thirteen weeks that's amazing that'll give me how many credit card debt okay. after I got there I guess they said enough Keenan of firing people. You know, like stop it. So we can't afford this anymore. Fire one more. (laughs) No, so but I didn't know if I was going to get the next thirteen week pickup, and you're supposed to know at eleven weeks. So eleven weeks came, and twelve on the twelfth week, and I still didn't know. I got a call from my manager saying I have like two auditions for you know comedy pilots for you, and I go, you know, I've never called in sick. I'm going to call in sick and go on these auditions. Oh shit! Yes. No. And I went and I called in sick. And just call like the assistant, writer's assistant, yeah. and then um, and then I was at the comedy store doing stand up that night, and I had to check my messages or whatever. And I remember I was like calling on my little cell phone, and they're like, "Yeah, call, call," you know. Oh, and they you always kept you really late, like ten at night. So I called, and the guy's like, "Yeah, Keaton says you don't need to come back ever," and I was oh. like. <laughs> Oh my God. I was like so bummed. <laughs> oh my God. So then That's I like youth. came back and I was like, hi. And I like say goodbye to everybody. And then I found out that this one guy 
this comedian, he's not a comedian anymore. Because he rats people out? Yeah, he said, Keenan goes, where's Heather? And um, someone's like, she's sick. And then he goes, you know, it's pilot season, Keenan. <gasps> oh. And he knew I wanted to be an actress because I came for the uh, Groundlings and I like wanted to be in sketches that's and kinda, stuff. That sucks. Yeah, it that's does not suck. nice. That's not nice no. at all. And so that's not helping your friends. That's... I was bummed about that because even had I stayed, the show would have eventually ended. Right. Then I would have gotten all that money from all the reruns that ran been, all summer. And you would Damn have been it. set. And then all those people wrote Scream One, and I would have written <gasps> on Scream One. Oh. No. So that then, was a super monster success. So they wrote on Scream One and Scream Two, and then they broke up with the Weinstein brothers, and they were going to do like. Another movie about like alien, like doing a parody of all the alien movies. And my, and he goes, we need like, a, we need somebody. Maybe he brought me up, but he, he always noticed that all the alien movies had a single mom in it, like from E.T., whatever. Yeah. So he's like, we need to like get a woman in here to kind of write that, the, that, that parts, those parts. So then my friend called me and my baby was only two weeks old, Drake. And he's like, do you want to work on this movie? And I was like yeah you know okay so then i you know would would do it and um and then all of a sudden one day they call and they're like yeah there was all these guys working on it and they're like yeah uh, keenan fired like four people because they weren't coming <laughs> up with anything good to fire people and he was like heather has a fucking baby and she's bringing in all these like funny ideas and stuff so then i got to stay for that oh wow and then they, this is good and then they see that the the people that started to take over the Scream franchise, they the next Scream or whatever they called it, or Scary Movie, sorry. Scary, scary, scary movie. movie, not Scream. It was Scary Movie parodies. The next Scary Movie thing was going to be all about the Alien movies because it was that Signs movie that was so big. Right. Yes. Yep. So then they're like, we're not even going to do this because it's too similar to what they're doing. But they had already sold the idea of white chicks. So they're like, we're going to start writing white chicks. And I was like, well, don't you think you need one white chick to write on it? And so then I wrote with them on White Chicks. They already had like the story wow. idea, but then I helped that's come huge. up with all Heather, the characters. And then they were like, we're going to try to get you in on this. And then I remember they called me and they're like, oh, we have to hire so many Canadian people. But we really want you to play the part that you wrote. Because I wrote it yeah. about this annoying girl that worked on 3rd on Street in the <laughs> store. Like that's how I came up with it. And, and then they're like, and I remember literally it was like, can you get on? You know, can you get to LAX in like three hours? What? Because you you have to be there tomorrow, and we we just whatever got the yeah. okay. Yeah. So then I got to go there like once or twice, I think, to do that part. That's and big. That, yeah, and it was great. And then I worked on a couple other things with them too. I they did dance flick. I had a small part in that, and, and then so they've been great. And then what and happens? then and then I got so then I was married, and I wasn't doing any stand up. <laughs> But I was, like, getting parts, and I was, like, you know, sometimes I'd have health insurance, sometimes I wouldn't. <laughs> the worst. And then... Um, so you're getting jobs and here then, and there. And then I started watching Last Comic Standing, and it made me really miss stand-up. And I was, like, I think I should start doing this, you know, write about being a mom and stuff like that. And then, like, the next day, this girl called me, and she would always put all these girls shows together, female comic shows. And she was like, just ran into somebody and I can't believe you quit stand-up. You were like the best one. I'm like, well, I didn't quit it. She's like, well, it's been like seven years. <laughs> and I go, all right, just give me a date. Give me a deadline. And she goes, okay, August, whatever. I'm doing the improv. It's Pretty Fun Women. Chelsea, Natasha Legero, Tig, Sarah Colonna, all these girls would do these shows. And so 
I just practiced my stuff and I did it. And then like once I was like back into it, then I felt great. And then that after that August come around, I was doing it. I heard that Chelsea was then going to start her show. Okay. And my friend was like, I don't know if I want to work on a full time like writing gig and I'm like well I do because if I don't get back in this game you're by a certain age you're gonna be out yeah so I wrote her emailed her or texted her or something and I was like can I you know try to write some stuff and she's like yeah you know so then I met the producer and she only could hire like four people wow and so she picked me and then yeah and then I thought well this will look I'll get a nanny I felt so guilty but I'll get a nanny for the summer but when I was Worried about doing it. I'm like, my boys are only like one and four or something. And my friend goes, are you fucking kidding me? In 10 years, you're going to come home and neither of those boys are going to even look up from their Xbox or whatever the thing was at the time. And you're going to say, why the fuck didn't I take that job? Totally. And I tell that story all the time because they are fine. They don't come running to the door when I come home. <laughs> They're fine. And it's like, people need to know that like, yes, Baby years are precious years, but now that I have this career and I could be around so much more these last five years, mm-hmm. the more important years, in my opinion. Right. The time like, the time where, where yeah. they want to spend no, the time. No, I love that you say yeah, that because I feel really guilty. Important. It's really important. You feel will guilty. feel guilty. You will feel guilty. You will miss stuff. And sometimes when I look at like pictures, I'm like, <laughs> you know, but yeah. it's like, they're there. They're fine. It's like it's there. But they but also look hard. up to you. But they also hard. look up to you as a strong woman who's running a big career. Yeah. And that's a pretty cool thing as a kid to say, oh, my mom's on TV or my mom writes on shows or all these different things. Right. That's pretty cool, too. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's they have a good perspective of things, you know, and we have like a lot of fun. And How many years on Chelsea? We did seven, like Seasons? seven and a half. Wow. Years. How many? How many episodes total? Over oh, so many because we only got. <laughs> Like, we only got two weeks off at Christmas. What? Two weeks off during the summer and one week at Easter. Five weeks off a whole we year? We only got five weeks off a year. So you're doing that's or maybe hundreds. The, yeah, like that's five, six weeks of off. Episodes. Yeah. It was crazy. We wow. never had any time off. And we always had to, like, you know, but leading up to Christmas, we had to do a New Year's Eve show and a Christmas wow. Eve show and all this other stuff. So great. it was a lot, but it was really fun. It was super fun. And I'm still friends with so many of the people. And I loved like, watching you on that. By yeah, the way. I, but I was it. so intimidated by you because you guys would show people on the show and then kind of like make fun of them. Yeah. And I was like, I never want to be made fun of by anybody like no, that. No, what I loved about because this Because you are so funny and such a savage. That was the other thing. We could never tweet our jokes. Oh. We, they'd be like, the head writer would oh. be like, a news thing would break. And all the writers would have Twitter and want to write something funny. And they'd, he'd be like, what the fuck? We're going to talk about this tomorrow. Don't. And now you just gave the best joke to yourself. You need to save that for, for Chelsea or for somebody else that on might the be show. on the round table. Yeah. Right. So you couldn't tweet anything. Any of your jokes had to be kept for the show. But I kind of, I, I, I understood that. I no, was like, that's... I kind of get that. Like, because, you know, we had this great thing of being able to do it like that day. You know, we would do stuff and then, you know, at the end of the day, we the end of the week, we'd see it on Saturday Night Live. Right. But we could do it like that day. So once they said that, I was like, yeah, but, it, you know, once you're a, writer, you're a writer on the show, you really have to commit to being a writer on the show. Right. And then it was kind of a bummer because then there were other people that would be featured just as much on the show, but they weren't staff writers. Okay. And sure, they weren't making the money every week 
but then they would be getting all these opportunities and then opportunities would come to us but we couldn't take them because you were locked into your deal yeah but I understand that like I didn't feel mean yeah. I don't think that's mean or when you got you can't like let every person go oh you have an audition for a three liner okay bye you can't do that <laughs> right, like right, you right. can't let people do that so then it was that part I think was sort of difficult and having the writers be featured so much was that life changing when you did uh Chelsea lately yeah oh definitely that like started all because then I was like I always wanted to write a book and now I'm like well now I can write a book wow by the way yeah your prediction was fucking wrong <laughs> oh here we go Heather. I said she'd get it second week here we yeah, go you got a no national weeks. bestseller yeah, yeah, national that, bestseller. I mean, that still means you sold a lot no I definitely my numbers were great but you you can't tell the future um, everyone loved that by the way I got I got, I got so great many people feedback. writing that they really really liked it I yeah. knew they would yeah. Well, that's good. I have two last questions because. Yeah. First question: Your worst stand-up moment in history that you can recall in your career, like a moment that's that a just good one, that man. just was mortifying for you for any reason. It could have been technically could have been a heckler. It could have been just you sucked or you were hungover. Just a moment you can remember that you don't want to remember. God, I mean, there, 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 <laughs> are there are there none? Or? No, they're all just, but they're all like not that bad. Worst heckler, worst like, anything. Worst venue, worst audience, worst anything. Just something that... Sometimes what happens is I'd be doing something. Yeah. This is why I really don't like performing in LA. And I like to just go to a city where I don't know anybody. But right. now I know so many people in every city. I still have somebody, like a college friend or something. Is like, I'll start doing a bit. And talking about like whatever. Joking about my husband. Like murdering my husband or whatever. And then I'm like, oh my God, my friend is here. And her husband just fucking died. Like, what? Like, you know, and then it like gets in my head a little bit. Or like, oh, I remember this no. one girl had a really, we, back in the, like those days where I was always doing the improv, she had a really funny herpes joke. And, and then all of a sudden I would realize, oh my God, she's on the bill. And I have two friends with herpes in the audience. Like, I normally would not invite them to any show because I thought it would hurt their feelings. But then I looked out and saw they were laughing the most. And I was like, can I can't relate. worry about that. But like that little bit of like, you know, codependent, like Catholic guilt. Like I didn't, I never want someone to be like hurt. Um, <laughs> I get that. You ever go to a theater back in the day when you first started? Because I know you sell out everywhere because I always track you like in cities. I'm like, oh, am I in that city? I want to go see the show. Totally. Like when you're in Miami, I'm like, oh, fuck, I want to yeah. see the show. But when you were just coming up, did you ever go to a room where it was like one person, two people? Oh, yeah. No, not that little, but there'd be some that were little. And it was hard because usually like a, a bringer show, just like it'd be hard where you have to bring people because you still have to, it's, it's, you don't want everyone going up there and being like, oh, we could be doing this in my living room because then it makes the people that actually paid and parked like feel that. like a dick. Right. So like, I always am like, this is great. Like, oh my God, let's just like get intimate, whatever. Right. Yeah. But now I'm just kind of like, who cares? I mean, after COVID, I, I care a lot less about I, yeah. stuff like that. We, we say the same thing. It's like it's after like, COVID, everything, your, your perspective of appreciation goes up, for, at least for me, like 10,000. Well, I would just like stress so much about like Little. ticket sales and do I have to do a Facebook ad and Da, da, da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'm like, okay, I am going to still go on and do these shows. HeatherDoll.net. I'm going to the big <laughs> cities, the and, you know, but I didn't want to even, I didn't want to jump to like a bigger venue yeah. because I was like, I just want them. I, I wanted to be sold out. I want to not worry about it. Like I don't totally. I, and like, I like this size and I like how it works and like maybe next time. But so yeah, because the whole point is like, 
I like to go to do the craft. It's not really about right. the money the on the passion. road for me because right. so few people do what I do, you know, that can go and stand for an hour. And, oh. and I don't ever want because I stopped doing it for those seven years when I was like having babies and. But I was never like on the road or anything. And so now that I've established like a headlining thing yeah. in the years after Chelsea and stuff, I just don't ever want to get, let it go so long. It's fine when it's a pandemic. It was kind of great. <laughs> right. You like, had an there'd excuse be times, to chill. Like, I'd we be like, did. oh my God, if they just told me that the club was on fire last night and I'd, like, I'd be kind of, just because I didn't want to like pack. So I'm laying on my bed and I see the suitcase and I'm like, I don't want to pack. But so it was kind of like, you know, of course I didn't like, you know, I felt bad for people, but at the same time, it was kind of a nice break. And so now when I'm starting up again, I have to be like, don't become a bitch. Don't get crazy. Be excited. Yeah. Cause like, like if I ever complain, Peter's like, well, you said so. I'm like, okay. So now I can't even talk to anybody about it. Cause I agreed to do this. Okay, right. Last three questions. Yes. Last three questions. Biggest venue you ever performed in like the, 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 the most prestigious or it biggest. It was some arena. And I opened for Chelsea and it was like 10,000. Wow. And then for 10, my and then for, people. Yes. And then for my own shows, <laughs> yeah. I think the most I've done is like maybe in like, maybe like a 600 range. That's huge. That's, a yeah. lot. that's for comedy. That's I mean, yeah. Okay. Second question. The person that you were the biggest star, biggest, most famous person that came to a show that you were shocked came to your show. Do you know what I'm saying? Like not somebody, not a celebrity oh, that you know now and that you're friends with, but just you were just shocked. They showed up or somebody told you they were showing up day of and you had no idea. Is there is there any moment like that? God, I might have to come back to <laughs> okay, that one because right. I know that there, there there were a lot though during that time yeah. because they because Chelsea was on and stuff yeah. and then. Um, but now it's just like now. Now it's like yeah. Whatever. I've never been. I've never really been starstruck by anybody because yeah. working on Chelsea, you really saw like everybody. Right. So people are always like, "Oh, who is it?" I'm like, first of all, everybody's nice. Right. And I will also say that every guest that came on the show was very nice too. Like they're yeah, not yeah. gonna be assholes. They're a guest on a show. What do you have coming up that we should know that's coming like next? Just um, we know your your juicy juicy scoop, scoop is every is Tuesday, giant. Thursday. It's yep. um. You know, I've been Spot doing it for six years. Love it. Anywhere you listen, obviously. We also do it on YouTube, too. Um, so you can watch the whole thing on YouTube. And that's kind of cool because we've picked up, like, like there's a whole, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000 in there. That's not that much because it's I'm not, like, a YouTuber. But that actually watch it there. Wow, they really like watching it. Yeah. That's a big listening. number. That's a so, big number. you know, we do it there, too, which is a lot of extra effort, but whatever. <laughs> oh, that's another thing. Like, why did I start that? Because now it's like, if it's not up, they freak out. No. So, but, um, the and way, then I have yeah, a bunch ahead. of dates starting in August, San Francisco, and then through the fall. And where do we see those dates? Where can They're we at heathermcdonald.net. I'm going to all the big cities. Uh, so Chicago, New York, Boston, Philly, wow. San Francisco, Seattle, Atlanta, and Nashville. Damn, you Damn. get it, girl. But I, I go home in between. You'll why. post. You'll post this on your Instagram too, right? The no, dates. I don't the like date. to promote people. Oh, what? No, the dates. Oh, the I like this podcast. Oh no, we don't need you. To I'm post joking. <laughs> um, no, your dates. Yes, your tour. yes, everything will be. And your Instagram. It's all Heather McDonald. Yeah. So I don't want to post the dates all the time. But once in a while, you throw it up there. You remind people that it's there. Heather, your attitude. I have to say, because I know you at least at Coachella partying, but this is the funniest. Your attitude of like, I just don't give a shit, and I don't want to work that hard. It's the funniest shit I've ever seen. It's but a the lot truth, of extra but effort. It, it, you're like, ah, it's so much to pack a bag and get on a plane. But 
But I will say that I know you act that way, but when it comes to your comedy, it's a hard thing to do, and very few people can when do it. When I'm you on do. the stage, it's my most favorite thing to do. It's amazing I what just, you do. I'm just saying sometimes the effort and the stress around getting on the stage. No, I totally the get it. Being on stage is the best part. Right. It's yeah. the it's, getting to it's, it. Yeah, it's all that other stuff. I so, totally get it. It's, it's, it's like going on a vacation where you're like so excited to go to Paris or whatever, and you're like, fuck, I have to pack. I've never been to Paris, you little bitch. <laughs> Okay, you two. I mean, you two should just honestly just. I mean, I I could run two weeks of episodes just to do you going back and forth. That's yeah, funny. Lala. By the way, everybody hasn't been to Paris. I know that. I'm no, just, no, I'm no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, she doesn't know that. Heather, tell her. Wait, I am going to go on a really fabulous trip though this next summer. I think she should go with you. Yeah, yeah, right. Because <laughs> now my kids are old and I can afford it. It's like the double whammy. <sighs> I can finally do it right. But like I never, I didn't right. go when I was young, and then I couldn't go when they were little, and now it's like yeah, I can go. <laughs> now Mama's going and doing now it I'm right. Go. Yeah. I see you vacationing a lot though on your gram, so don't don't play me. I see. Anyway, I, it's all places like here and stuff, which is great. Well, you don't like to get on a plane. You just said so. Yeah. I'm no, I'll do a big thing. Oh, you will. Oh, yeah, I Heather, love first we class. see you. <laughs> don't I love we, first class. Don't Every we time all. I go on there, I go, Heather, you don't need when to you drink. Went to Miami. It's 9 a.m. I to, love first class. When you, listen, when you went to Miami. It's not even good alcohol either. It's never like a good wine or anything. Yeah. And the food, I, I don't leave a morsel. <laughs> I eat the entire thing. So do I. So do I. I, I love plain food. Yeah. This was the all best right. podcast ever. This Heather, we'll let you go. <laughs> we'll let you go Thank to you. your your Bel Air hotel dinner. No, bungalows. No, bungalows. Santa Monica. Oh, you're going to the bung. Santa no, is it all the way in Santa Monica? Oh, no. It's going to take me a long time. No, it's not. Go. No, it's not. Okay. I all right. Okay, Heather, 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 bye. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to thank Heather McDonald. You've been amazing. We love you. And thank you for coming on today. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? <laughs> In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. Hi there. Sorry for the interruption, but are you enjoying this show on Google Podcasts? You should know that the Google Podcasts app is going away this spring. That's right, going away, gone, as in no longer available. You can still enjoy this show elsewhere, though. Try out Spotify or Amazon Music, or maybe TuneIn is more your style. Whatever app you switch to, be sure to follow so you never miss the next episode. And thanks for listening wherever you listen.